You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. It's the weekend mailbag, James, and usually in the offseason, we go right into the mailbag, but there is some pressing, breaking news today to talk about, and it's not necessarily breaking news, but Carl Lawson talked to Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic in a podcast that came out on Thursday, and maybe the the doomsaying went a little bit too far. He described the Bengals as a front runner. He described his relationship with Cincinnati as very good. He said that all of the cryptic tweets had nothing to do with his impending free agency. And he even backed it up by saying like, oh yeah, that one where he, I said they better not do it was about an anime that he watches. Had nothing to do with the franchise tag. So sounds like the door is still very much open to Carl Lawson, but also sounds like he's very aware that the team has needs on their offensive line, is aware of their cap situation, and is aware of his interest level if he does get to the open market. And that's the key and, and really the concern. I, I never thought that Carl wasn't interested in necessarily coming back to the Bengals or the Bengals weren't open to bringing him back, but it's got to be at a price that that both guy, you know, both parties agree to, obviously, right? Well, there are 31 other teams that are going to get their shot starting on Monday at Carl Lawson. And so when you, you look at the Bengals, and I get it, there are just a few teams that have more cap space than them. But Jacksonville, I, I think he's uh, a, a pretty good fit there in Jacksonville as they try to rebuild that defense from what was really dominant a few years ago. I know Cleveland, it, at least for my fan base and uh, it, media-wise, they've reached out to me about Carl Lawson in, in, you know, how I think he would fit up there. Uh, so I think there are going to be a lot of teams that are interested. Heck, New England has a lot of cap space as well, and they certainly need some pass rush help. So I think there are going to be a lot of teams interested in Carl Lawson, and it's going to be hard to keep him at this stage. And even if he does want to be back or he's open to being back, it sounds good. And I don't knock him for that. But once he starts getting courted by some of these other teams, it could be really tough. So we'll see. It was good, though, to see him say, nice things about Cincinnati and being open about coming back to the Bengals, even though they, you know, haven't been able to reach a long-term deal up to this point. I mean, according to Lawson, they haven't even started that conversation. You know, they, they've kind of been in touch and I don't know if you take Lawson at his word there, but he said they haven't started actually negotiating a, a contract, which seems kind of insane. But again, he said that the Bengals would get the first shot. He said they're the front runners. So if you take him at his word and it seemed like he was being pretty candid with Paul, it seems like the Bengals will have a chance to bring him back. And I really, honestly, just hope he doesn't go to Cleveland. I didn't really care when Cleveland signed away Eric Steinbach or Kevin Zeitler nearly as much as I will care if they sign Carl Lawson because that has an impact on the Bengals franchise much more so than an offensive lineman does because the franchise is Joe Burrow. And speaking of protecting Joe Burrow, a lot of, a lot of you asked about Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz today in mailbag questions and we're just going to preempt all of that. I'm going to preempt all that by saying what I have heard is that it's very likely that Mitchell Schwartz will retire, according to people familiar with the Chiefs organization. If he doesn't retire and if he's healthy, yeah, sure, absolutely, go get him. If he's not healthy, he's got a back issue. If it's a 
going to be a chronic thing. If he's considering his future, probably not interested. And for Eric Fisher, on the other hand, towards Achilles late in the playoffs, I don't see him helping you this year. I don't see the Bengals of, ha- of as having the luxury of giving him a, a red shirt year. So I, I don't necessarily think either guy is on the radar unless Mitchell Schwartz turns out to be a lot healthier than we thought. And that's the key because that's the one where you look at his consecutive snaps and he didn't miss a game until this year throughout his career. He was just Mr. Durable. So if he can get past the back issue and decides, hey, I do want to keep doing this. I do want to play. Well, then, yeah, sign me up because you're talking about a high end right tackle. And that's exactly what the Bengals are looking for. Right. That's in a perfect world what they'll find this offseason as far as Fisher goes. But but that appears unlikely. Right. With Schwartz. And as far as Fisher goes, you're right. It would be great to sign him. But he tore his Achilles in late January. When is he going to be able to contribute to this Bengals team at, at best November? Well, the Bengals, you're right. They don't have that luxury. And, and, and I could see Eric Fisher waiting this out, doing one of two things, either signing a, a multi-year deal and a contender basically looking at him like he's going to redshirt or maybe help him in the postseason or two, waiting until he's pretty healthy, can pass a physical, can get out there and move for teams and then sign a deal closer to the season or midseason. If I'm Eric Fisher and I think I can get back partway through the season, I'm probably waiting because every team is going to need an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle at some point during the season. I think that if I can get healthy, get to a contender, start playing later in the year, make a playoff push, and maybe that's even with the Chiefs, that is probably the direction I would go if I was Fisher unless somebody was willing to throw money at me knowing that I wouldn't be available in this season. James, let's fit in one question here real quick in the first segment. And this is coming from three man weave at three man weave underscore on Twitter. They ask if Lawson isn't brought back, is there anyone on the market that the Bengals have a shot at that can replace his production with Sam Hubbard and Kareem Khaled Kareem opposite him? And he also wants to know how many games before Lou is let go. (laughs) Well, Lou would probably be the next guy on the list, right? You know, everyone talks about Zach Taylor and I've, done this as well 625 and one what happens if they get off to a bad start but if they get off to a bad start because the defense is swiss cheese then lose probably you know on the chopping block before anybody else uh that being said it won't be they're not looking for just carl lawson to you know a one-man pass rush show essentially like it was last year in free agency i think their goal and their reasoning behind not franchise tagging lawson One, yeah, maybe they can bring him back at a lower cap number than $16 million. And if they don't, then they can replace him with two guys. You know, they need they know they need at least two veteran edge rushers in free agency. I I wouldn't be shocked at all if they they're in the Hassan Reddick sweepstakes. If they go after Romeo Aquara uh, from Detroit, a guy you really like, Jake, like they are going to be in on some of these edge rushers. I expect them now to sign two. And that includes Lawson, who I don't. I don't think they're going to get it done. Like if I had to bet one way or the other, courtesy of bet online, I would bet Lawson signs with the field versus the Bengals. And, and so I, I would expect them to sign two free agent pass rushers. That doesn't mean it's going to be in the first wave of free agency or anything like that. But uh, th- that's that, that's kind of my expectation. So as far as replacing Lawson's production, I think they're kind of rearranging things now where they might not have, uh, you know, a Lawson who's going to create 10 sacks, but they're going to have two guys that can have seven to eight sacks plus Hubbard, plus hopefully Reader and a three tuck to go along with it on the inside. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. You you expect them to take a bit of a scattershot approach to the defensive line, like we've talked about with the Bills and their approach to their offensive line. I think it will be multiple players. I think you can absolutely, by the way, for a $16 million cap hit in 2021, that can be two pretty big contracts. $8 million in a, on a cap hit for year one, that could be part of a $14 million average per year deal. The way teams I expect to structure deals this year to push those cap hits into the future, which we've talked about a lot. So you can do a lot with $16 million in cap space. I think the Bengals will be active in trying to revamp their defensive line. And whether or not that includes Carl Lawson, we'll find out. But you mentioned James Romeo Okwara, a guy linked to the Bengals by Shiel Kapadia over at The Athletic today. One of the two guys he had them signing with Daryl Williams. I'd be thrilled with the Daryl Williams-Romeo Aquara start. That would be a really fun start to free agency. We have a lot more questions about free agent fits and a whole lot more in this mailbag, and we'll get into that coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is here. And yeah, football's over, but the NBA and the NHL still in full swing. Plus, the NFL draft and NFL prop bets. You got to check them out right now at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And the best part about it, when you go to betonline.ag right now and you sign up today, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, go to betonline.ag, use promo code locked on, and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. James, I've been eating my coconut brownie chunk built bars religiously since I got my new shipment in, and it's great. Because it's delicious and it's a filling snack. It's high in protein. We always mention that. It's low calorie. It's low sugar. It's high fiber. It's literally the ideal for a snack food, but it's a protein bar. And it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's insane. And not only that, it's Built Bar Madness, James. You talk about March Madness at betonline.ag. Built Bar is doing its own thing. Today's matchup. The first Sweet 16 matchup of the tournament is round one winner Churro Puff against Cookies and Cream, which got a buy into the second round. Go make sure you vote for your favorite of those two flavors. You can vote at BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And remember to use promo code LOCKEDON20 when you order your next batch of Built Bars for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The mailbag rolls on here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Make sure you follow at Locked on Bengals on Twitter to get the mailbag each and every week. We ask you for your questions. You chime in on Twitter. We answer them right here on Locked on Bengals. Next question comes from Sergeant Hooday on Twitter. What do you guys think about Keelan Cole or Khalif Raymond as potential wide receiver targets for the Bengals? To me, there are very low risk signings that could help the deep ball. I think Keelan Cole, especially, you talk about guys that have actually had some production between these two guys, right? Khalif Raymond, uh, primarily a special teamer for the Titans. He does have some deep ball productivity, which you really like to see. He caught three out of his six 20-plus yard targets this year, according to PFF. And it seems like that's kind of his profile. That's where they wanted to use him on that offense. But he's 5'8". He's a little bit short. A Holy Cross guy, an undrafted guy, a lot like Keelan Cole, who's actually been really productive 
for the Jaguars in his role. Another guy who's been really good in the deep ball part of the game. He only caught five out of his 16 targets. He did have a drop on his deep passes, but generally very productive in that part of the field and in the intermediate part of the field in specific. And this is where I see the fit with Joe Burrow, James. Caught 15 of his 20 targets in that part of the field. His receiving grade, according to PFF on intermediate targets, was a 97.1. Did have some drop issues. Had five drops on the year total, including that one deep ball drop. So that is something to consider. But generally, very, very productive in that intermediate part of the field that Joe Burrow loves to throw to. I love Keelan Cole. I I love the idea of bringing in a guy like that, like a mid-tier guy. It just depends on the amount. Because with him... I could see a, a like a, a multiple bid type situation for a player like that, even though he is an undrafted guy. And then as far as Raymond, really, can you get him to replace Alex Erickson? Like, that's what you're talking about. And I think the Bengals value Alex Erickson. He's a free agent to be. But Raymond can give you that special teams pop. And who knows what happens with Brandon Wilson, but maybe he just takes over the return duties as a whole. And, and can maybe be a, a deep threat here or there. There's nothing wrong with having your, your sixth or seventh wide receiver be a speed demon, right? There's no problem with that. So I would be open to either, but obviously Keelan Cole is a, just a, a bigger name, right? Because he's had more production because we've known him. And heck, he undrafted, had 748 yards with Jacksonville in, in 2017. Like that, that's when he popped on, on the mat because he was a fantasy sleeper way back in 2017. And I remember picking him up in a few leagues. So uh, certainly would be interested in that guy. And, and I think that's the thing. There are a lot of free agent wide receivers where it's just about price. I like the fit. We, we, you know, we like a lot of wide receivers with Joe Burrow. There's not many that we don't like. But what's the price? How much is it going to cost? Because you don't want to break the bank for a guy like Cole. But if you can get him at a reasonable deal, absolutely. The thing about Keelan Cole is he does some pretty spectacular stuff. He's been productive, but PFF has him projected only at five and a half million a a year. I mean, that's very much a third tier kind of guy. And, you know, some of the guys, once you get into that tier, you're in the Nelson Aguilar range. Keelan Cole, 27 years old or so. I mean, I, I would be for it. The thing about Khalif Raymond is we know they're looking for speed. We're, they're, they're looking at guys in that profile. We've talked a lot. I've talked a lot about Amir Smith-Marset, the Iowa receiver that they reportedly had a visit with. Very similar build in a lot of ways to Khalif Raymond, except he's like four inches taller. And you can probably get him in the fifth or sixth round. So <laughs> I'm not sure I see it with Khalif Raymond so much. I, I think that he's a guy that's probably going to just try to find a pretty low deal. I mean, Tennessee didn't even give him an original round tender a restricted free agent coming off being an undrafted free agent. So we'll see how much of a market is there for him. It's an interesting, uh, interesting name though. Certainly not one that we'd thought of toward the bottom of that wide receiver market. Let's go to our next question. This one comes from Greg Luther at Gregoro nine on Twitter. Could the Bengals spend on two guards in free agency? Is Joe Tooney and Kevin Zeitler together a possibility? Absolutely, it's a possibility. That's the beauty of the Bengals' free agency right now and and what they've done and put themselves in position to do. There are about a 1,000 possibilities. So, yeah, I could see that. But if they're paying Joe Tooney big money, 14 to 15 million per year on average, are they going to dip their toe back into the the guard market, unless Kevin Zeitler's 
his asking price or just his market isn't what I think we're expecting him to be. Because I, I think he can make six to eight million per, and that's not a cap hit. But are, are the Bengals going to want to one if they're uncomfortable enough with Tooney, and they would obviously have to get a deal done with Tooney. Uh, who knows if they're comfortable giving him the money he's going to command? But let's say they do that. Are they really going to go after another guard with with you know five, six, seven million dollars there? I just I think it's unlikely that that combination happens. As far as signing two free agent guards, I could certainly see that, but I would think it would be more Zeitler, Andrew Norwell, if he happens to be available, right, and, and hit the market, uh, where it's more of the the value approach. I think if they go with Tooney, then they're probably looking for a, a mid-tier tackle. And then they'll maybe get another interior lineman or two in free or in in the draft, not free agency, and, and that's the route they go. What what about you? Do you think they go they go after two guards in free agency? I could definitely see them going after two guards. One of them might be you know Quentin Spain. I, I don't sure. think that it's going to be a Tooney and a Zeitler. I think if it's a Zeitler, you're not looking at guys like Norwell. If they hit free agency, you're probably looking at guys like you know Odeyabushi, who played 622 snaps for the lions and was actually pretty good for the lions. He's going into his age 30 season, but like you get the idea. You're looking at guys that are much closer to average than guys that have a plus trait. Andrew Norwell, Norwell, a very good pass blocker. So I think if the, if it's a Zeitler tier signing, you know, an 8 million say per year kind of thing, you're looking at, you know, maybe a, a two to four million second guard, a guy like John Feliciano or, or like I said, Ode Ibushi, something like that. Maybe, maybe it's Jermaine Effetti. Maybe it's uh, Quentin Spain. There's a whole bunch of guys out there they could go after that are probably very much in that average bucket, pretty similar, similar tier of players. And you also have to remember at that point, you've got a guy that's kind of in that tier, in my opinion, in Xavier Suofilo. So I expect them to make some moves at guard, but I do not expect two of those moves to be first tier, second tier. If it's first tier, I think you're going to see like first and fourth tier, or you're going to see like second and third tier or or second and fourth tier, something like that. Next question comes from Jeff Shackelford at Jeff Shackle for one on Twitter says AJ Green or Auden Tate is your fifth wide receiver. I included this question for you, James, because I know how you feel about both of these guys. But the answer, assuming, you know, AJ is going to get like a $4 million deal or something like that, is is AJ Green. He's a better player than Auden Tate, even in his whatever diminished form was it was last year. I still think he's a better player than Auden Tate. I was worried about you. Really? <laughs> I was worried there. I, I thought you were going to say... The answer is Auden Tate because he's a bargain, and he, thank God you said the right answer. <laughs> it's not even close, man. And it's almost like I have to be mean to Auden Tate, but like this idea that that Auden Tate is AJ Green, like Auden Tate's best season wasn't AJ Green last year, and I get t- you know targets and all that stuff, but like get out of here. AJ's still serviceable, and and hopefully he lands in a situation where he can produce. So uh, obviously AJ Green is my fifth. My sixth, my seventh, my first, my second, my third, my fourth. When you're comparing it to Auden Tate, I'm sorry, Auden. I'll take AJ Green. You started to lose me when you when when you're counting higher numbers. I was like, okay, and then you went back to one. I was like, what? <laughs> and, and then you and then you had the caveat of when you're comparing to Auden Tate, and and okay, all right, I get it. I mean, low bar. 
We'll be back in just a minute with more questions in the weekend mailbag on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. While you may have a low bar for your expectations for Auden Tate, we have a high bar for our transportation, right? We don't want unreliable transportation. With rockauto.com, they can help you stay on the road. They're the most convenient auto parts store in the country. I've used them. You need to try them out. They've been doing business and serving auto parts customers online for more than two decades. You're going to save money. You're going to save time because all of their parts are in one place and they have them for Mercedes, Bentley, Benz, what, what, whatever you're looking for. Daewoo. I always use that one because half of you don't even know what Daewoo is anymore. They have the parts you're looking for. So check them out right now. RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. James, let's wrap up our last pre-free agency mailbag. That's right, Bengals fans. The tampering period is open in the very near future. And along those lines of free agency, Derensky asks at Derensky on Twitter, if we follow Duke statements and the Bengals only attack value, which he's interpreting as meaning ignoring the tier one of free agency, how many holes or upgrades are possible to sign and still open the draft up to BPA? Who are the fits for the tier two, tier three guys at the interior offensive line, edge, wide receiver, corner, tackle, et cetera? It's a lot of positions. Well, because they have a lot of needs. So as far as upgrades go, you can upgrade everywhere with tier two guys and tier three guys. Like there there are tier two or tier three edge guys, probably tier four guys that are better than what they have right now since Carl Lawson's going to be a free agent, right? And so that's uh, that one's easy. Interior of their line, well, they had the worst guard play in their le- in the NFL and their starting center is dealing with a torn ACL and coming back from that. Uh, so, so it's... It's going to be easy to upgrade, but that can't be the standard, right? It's got to be better than that. How do they maximize and efficiently use their assets this offseason? And I think that's the key. And I like you've put together an off uh, an offseason plan. I did. I don't know if there's this obvious, oh, my God, this is the route you go because there's just so many holes and so many things they need to plug. But to me, when you're talking about best player available, in the draft, well, well, let's look at the at the fifth pick. The best player available in the draft is going to be one of a couple positions. It's not going to be corner. It's not going to be edge. It's not going to be interior lineman. So it's either Sewell, a tackle, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, a tight end, and then you know maybe a Jalen Waddle. You have him in there. Like, am I missing anyone, Jake? Like that to me is probably best player available in round one. No. I don't think you're necessarily missing anybody at five. If they trade back, I do think that Caleb Farley is in the mix. I think that Caleb Farley is a really good corner prospect, but sure. Bengals fans, you know, all season were saying we don't want to watch William Jackson walk and then just pick a corner number one. And 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 so I and I agree with you, by the way. Farley to me, like if you trade back to nine or ten, you know, I'm in there. Like because I think he could be BPA there. And now you're you're reaching on someone else. And I'm not about reaching, I'm about value. So as far as fits go, there are a lot. I mean, we could talk about Kevin Zeitler all day when you're talking about the interior. I love the idea. And I was thinking about this more and more after I went on my Tooney rant yesterday. You know, and we kind of agreed on that. What, what would you let me ask you my mailbag question to you, Jake? Corey Lindsley? I would be in on Corey Lindsley. I, I think I might prefer a little Lindsley action over Tooney if you're saving three or four million dollars per. 
and, and you can get a guy like Corey Lindsley. Am I, am I crazy there? I mean, you're not crazy for it, but I'm not there with you. I just think that Tooney is a more impactful player. I think that it's generally so easy to help centers with pass blocking. They're, they're so rarely on an island. And, and the place the Bengals had more issues last year was at guard. So even if it's Billy Price at center, and I might regret saying this, <laughs> no, if it's Billy Price at center and, and there's just no way for, for Trey to get back, then I can see the argument for Lindsley a little bit more clearly. And, and, and so that, but, but I'm just at least considering it. Right. And, and th- that includes, you know, Lindsley Zeitler versus what the, the thing about center is I don't think you need to go to Lindsley if you just need a guy like Alex Mack is somebody that was asked about in our mailbag. I don't think the question made, made it into the list today, but like Alex Mack is a guy that is going to be getting kind of a stopgap deal. You need a guy mm-hmm. to kind of get you to Trey Hopkins getting back and being that okay average center for you. Alex Mack isn't going to break the bank. Corey Lindsley is going to be a lot more expensive. So if we're talking, I want center. I'm looking for, something more stopgap than a guy like Corey Lindsley, really. It's interesting because I could say the same thing about Tooney, right? And, and, and I don't think there's necessarily a, a standout right answer. Like, oh, well, we could go well, with. I, I'm not saying that Tooney needs to be, be the guy either. I'm just saying I think the guard is a more valuable and important sure. position. And so if I am going to spend more money, I, I would rather do it. I'd rather do it at tackle and then guard and then and then center in that order. I mean, just just from a value perspective on the offensive line. Gotcha. Okay. So as far as the tiers go, Duransky, and, and this led to really good dialogue. So obviously a great question by him. But uh, tier two, tier three, inside offensive line. I mean, that to me, and, and we have our tiers. But I'm just thinking, I would put Zeitler probably in that tier three. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say I, I think that uh, Gabe Jackson is in that tier three. Those are two guys that you would uh, give a look at. Tooney's obviously tier one. Lindsley's maybe tier two, depending on what you look at, but he's going to get really hot, you know, 12 million plus. So interior line, tier one money, really. Um, as far as edge, I would say I think Hassan Reddick's probably in that tier two borderline right like yeah. he had one really good year but that's a guy i could really see them targeting and looking at as far as uh as wide receiver i don't think they're really in the tier two wide receiver market unless they go after like curtis samuel you, you know i i think that like josh reynolds is kind of the the ceiling which the he, by the way this tells you a lot about reynolds i was thinking about this today in los angeles there are people talking about how the rams need a deep threat and how the rams are looking for a deep threat well, it would be really weird if the Bengals, looking for a deep threat, signed the guy that the Rams decided that isn't their deep threat, and they, you know, and in, in, in their pursuit of one. So, that part's interesting. Um, as far as corners go, there's a bunch that are going to get released or have gotten released, right? Malcolm Butler got released this week. AJ Bouye or Boye, I always get his name wrong. Uh, visited with the Raiders, but he was released. Um, the, the Saints have made all types of moves. Who, who else did they release? They released one of those corners. Well, we got another question to get to that's on the topic of corners, James. So we could just go there. Let's and go there. I, I, I'm i ranting here. It's a really long question. It, it is. There's a lot to answer. It is. I was just going to name a few names. We've talked about offensive guard a ton. I've talked about Romeo Quara a ton at, at the edge position. Yeah. We talked about Keelan Cole. You talk about Josh Reynolds at wide receiver. I think those are a couple of good names to fit. We're about to talk about corner and tackle. The guy for me continues to be 
Daryl Williams as like just makes so much sense in yep. so many ways that that's the guy I want to see them go get it right tackle. But we'll see what they do. The next question, though, this is a fun name. Zantzinger Chorus at ZZ Chorus on Twitter. He's interested in hearing our thoughts on Malcolm Butler and Janoris Jenkins as far as which one do you think is a better fit on a one-year deal? Personally, I think about Malcolm Butler and I think about that Tennessee defense. And after the Bengals carved them up before the bye in week eight at Paul Brown Stadium, it was, if you listen to Nashville or paid attention to anything, they were like, man, we got to get defense. And while Malcolm Butler, I still think has something to me, he's more of a, a man-to-man type guy. That's just how I think of him. Maybe I'm crazy there, but uh, no, I would probably say Janoris Jenkins. I just think he has more upside and, and you know, he might get beat here or there, but he, he's also capable of having a pick six and, in uh, reminds me of Dre Kirkpatrick in that way, I guess, but he, he's done it much longer and has better ball skills than Dre. But like when I think of like Dre's like four highlights as a bangle, they were all pick sixes or big plays on the ball. I think Janoris Jenkins is, is much better. Like I said, but uh, yeah, I would probably say Jenkins. I don't know that Jenkins is a lot better as a player. I think Malcolm Butler, if they're letting William Jackson walk, probably means he's a poor scheme fit. I think you're right on the money there. He's a guy like William Jackson who's going to be generally better impressed man. And he's pretty sticky. I mean, Malcolm Butler's still a good player, I think. I don't think he was a problem on that Tennessee defense. But Janoris Jenkins is definitely, in my mind, the better scheme fit for Lou Anarumo. He's played for Lou Anarumo in 2018 in New York. He is a guy that is better suited to a zone-heavy scheme, which is, again, my belief that that's what the Bengals are interested in doing. So familiarity between the player and coach, uh, maybe a better uh, a better scheme fit. And like you said, James, the one thing Janoris Jenkins does really, really well is get his hand on footballs. A lot of pass breakouts, a lot of interceptions in his history. Next question comes from KB Bruhaha on Twitter. What is your dream offensive line going into next season based off of players available in the draft and free agency? Well, James, I'm not going to answer dream offensive line because that goes something like Trent Williams, Joe Tooney, Corey Lindsley, Kevin Zeitler, <laughs> or or Jonah Williams and Penny Sewell at right tackle or something. Super Bowl! And, and that you're, you're spending like $100 million on your offensive line. So, you know, that's that's not going to happen. But within within reason, I'm going to say something that I would be very pleased with would be something like, Jonah Williams at left tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard, Trey Hopkins gets healthy and is ready to play center, Kevin Zeitler back at right guard, and at right tackle, Daryl Williams. That, I think, is like a, a somewhat dreamy scenario, but is within the realm of possibility. Like Elijah Vera Tucker gets into the second round somehow, and Daryl Williams is their big free agent signing, and Kevin Zeitler is their you know second or third tier free agent signing. And that makes the offensive line a lot better. No doubt. I mean, sign me up right now. Um, I didn't go dream either. It's like, a, it's really a realistic one. Uh, I'm going to go veterans here. And then I'm going to give like a draft caveat, I guess. So Jonah Williams, left tackle, Quentin Spain slash Xavier Suofilo, left guard, Alex Mack. I like the idea of bringing in a veteran center with Price and Hopkins behind him because you're not... You're not banking on price, and at the same time, you're not rushing Hopkins back. Kevin Zeitler, I think we're all you know, on the train. I mean, just send a private jet to the <laughs> Zeitlers and get his ass in Cincinnati right now, all right? And, uh, and then it's Daryl Williams. Look, 
if your last name isn't Williams, you shouldn't be first on the Bengals offensive line call list. So I'm not calling Joe Tooney first when tampering starts. I'm calling either Trent and or Daryl Williams. It, 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 you have to have the last name of Williams to play tackle if I'm GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's pretty much what I'm saying here. Penny Sewell fans, man, you're just you're really upset right now, and I love it. Um, also, I'm going to do it with the caveat that a Creed Humphrey or mm-hmm. uh, Landon Dickerson, if they're available, and, you know, in the second, third rounds, I'm in on them. So that's why I say Xavier Suofilo, Quentin Spain, but. I'm into those two guys because I think that obviously they can play on the interior and potentially uh, end up being your long-term center, your long-term replacement for a guy like Alex Mack even, and even a guy like Trey Hopkins. Suddenly your center position, maybe after 2021, is suddenly a, a strength with a, a really young guy in, in either Humphrey or, or Dickerson. Yeah. I mean, we, we both like Zeitler and, and Daryl Williams on the right side. If it's not Zeitler, other guys in that same tier, Gabe Jackson, similar similar tier of player. I think Zeitler may be a little bit better at this point. I think he's probably the best out of the guys we've heard could be traded or released. Andrew Norwell, we talked about. I mean, we've talked about all the guards. Let's get one last question in here real quick, James. Aaron J at Aaron LJ underscore 13 wants to know, what are our thoughts on Will Fuller? Will probably be a little bit pricey for his injury history. That's his initial thoughts. And he's right. And, and that's the scary part. I loved Will Fuller coming out. I, I you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about him, but I, I thought he was going to be a really good pick and a guy that really fit their needs. And he's really done that in Houston. I mean, he made life easier on Hopkins, and then he played like a wide receiver one for eleven games in Houston this year. I mean, that's what he did. Now he, he's going to be suspended for the first week of the twenty twenty one season. Had a six game PED suspension. And has had durability concerns. So you do wonder about that. That said, if I can get him for 10 to 12 million per, you know, maybe the market's a little softer on him than initially anticipated. And I don't expect this, but let's say that happens. We never know. You never know, right? Then I'm in on Will Fuller. And, and but I just I don't think that happens. I think it's going to be, and we've talked about this off air, Jake, 14, 15, 16 million. You know, maybe he takes a one-year deal to show he can still stay healthy, 17, 18 million, right? And, and just says, hey, I, I want to show I could stay healthy and then test the market again next year. Who, who knows? But um, I, I like the player. I just, I'm not willing to play, pay, you know, wide receiver AJ Green money, essentially, when you can get a guy in the draft that can do what he can do. But if it's 10 to 12 million, I would certainly be interested. Yeah, that's that's a guy that, that I think, I, I have a really hard time getting a feel for where I think his market will be. I feel like it could be a little bit depressed, but then you see that some of those top end wide receivers get franchise tagged and that's going to push his value up a little bit. And his speed just, I mean, when he's on the field, he's undeniably a weapon. So, you know, you can really easily see a team paying more than I would really even want the Bengals to spend there because there is this whole argument of if you lock up your money in a guy that's got injury history, which is what somebody argued against Daryl Williams today. But I think Daryl Williams is such a good player that I, I just can't get off him. I think he's just such a good fit at right tackle. But when you when you have a lot of money locked up in a guy that gets hurt, that really, that really stunts you because now you don't have as much money in the depth. Now you have lost. The Bengals had half of their payroll, essentially, on IR last year. 
And and so when the when the coaches and, and Duke Tobin talk about injuries, I think that's a lot of what they're talking about. And I wonder how that'll impact how they divvy up their their salary cap and their cash in this free agency period. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be watching all weekend for a Carl Lawson re-signing. If that does happen, you'll hear from us. If not, you'll hear from us on Sunday night, Monday morning. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.